You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This is the Marketing Podcast Network. Welcome to Uncorking a Story, the podcast that introduces you to the rich world of storytellers who share their personal journeys, creative processes, and the stories behind their stories, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and I'm thrilled to be part of your writing journey. If you're an aspiring writer, a literary enthusiast, or simply someone who believes in the transformative power of words, you've come to the right place. Every week, we'll pop the cork on the world of successful storytellers and give you a healthy pour of inspiration, insight, and empowerment. My mission is to help writers like you realize your full potential through the transformative and therapeutic power of writing. Whether you're just starting your literary voyage or looking to refine your craft, I'm here to provide you with the knowledge, inspiration, and encouragement you need to embark on your own storytelling adventure. So, are you ready to uncork your story and let your creativity flow? Uncorking a Story is about to begin. Sit back, relax, and let the transformative magic of storytelling whisk you away. Welcome to Uncorking a Story. Well, hey now, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Uncorking a Story. I'm Mike Carlin, and I'm thrilled to have you back on another exciting episode. I want to remind you to please follow Uncorking a Story on all social media platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can find us at all of those places at Uncorking a Story. And just a quick note on YouTube, that's a platform that's had a lot of great growth for us recently, especially since I've changed the video quality of the show to be a lot uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Yes, better. It's also become a fun way for me to interact with the audience. So please go to our YouTube channel by searching for Uncorking the Story and hitting subscribe. For you audio listeners out there, please subscribe, rate, and review Uncorking a Story wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So today, I'm pleased to share my conversation with Chrissy Holm, whose memoir, Finding Sunlight, a coming-of-age memoir about love within the wreckage of purity culture, started off as an attempt for her to process her parents' divorce, but wound up being so much more. But that's really her story to share, and um, we're going to let her tell that in a moment. I did want to take a moment, though, to talk about the bigger story that I uncovered in this episode, which is writing as a way to process something going on in your life. And I know I spoke about that a bit in my conversation with Lynn Galadner, from a couple of weeks ago, but it came up in this episode again, and I think there's a little bit more to unpack here. So let's think about writing from a place of intention. When we write from a place of intention, now let's say that intention is trying to help others or even just trying to help ourselves make sense of a negative experience and perhaps reframe it. When we write from that place of intention, I believe oftentimes we are given gifts. So I'll give you an example. This past summer, my older brother Gregory passed away, and I was tasked with writing his obituary. And um, frankly, that's kind of an overwhelming thing to try and write. I don't mean to giggle there, but 
you know, think about it. You know, I've got a lot of pressure on me. We, I come from a big, close family. You know, this is something that everybody in our family is going to be reading, including his wife and children. And not to mention family, other family, friends, his business associates, people in the community. Um, it was a lot on my shoulders. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I felt, um, you know, like I said, I felt a lot of pressure on me. And I started this process, though, by talking to my sister-in-law. I talked to my father. I talked to my sister and my brother, Jim. And we all started sharing stories. I just wanted to hear stories about Greg before I started to write his obituary. And as I absorbed these, and I know that an obituary really is a death announcement. And of course, it it can be more than that. Um, not meant to be a biography, but... Um, you know, I wanted it to be more about, you know, while we're announcing his death, I really wanted it to be more about his life. And I, I took all these stories that my siblings, my sister-in-law, my father shared, and I just went away and um, sat quietly. And I then I just started writing. And I, I don't know how long it took me to write, but um, I, I got to a place where I thought it was done. And then I walked away for a little bit and then I reread it. And as I reread it, I was sitting there not remembering writing, you know, many of those words, you know, not like I was like blacked out or something, but I just didn't know like where those words came from. It was almost like they didn't come from me, but they came through me. And that's also happened when I've been writing fiction. You know, it, it, it stems from being in like what athletes would call being in the zone, or I had an author on the show, Michelle Hunovan, she called it sort of hitting flow. And it's a gift. It's a gift when that happens. We have to be open to that gift. So I want to remind you that my goal is to use the show to help make you a better writer. So my advice for you today is to open yourself up to letting words come through you, not necessarily from you. And to do that, before you start writing, take a few deep breaths and center yourself before you start writing. Reflect on what your intention is, then start writing, trust in the process, and you may just amaze yourself at what comes out. That is our lesson for today. Now, let's get ready to uncork Chrissy's story. Chrissy Holm is a writer, editor, and project manager, and is the host of the podcast Stirred by Words, where she talks about words, writing, and wellness. Her writing has been featured on Everyday Health, National Council on Aging, Gizmodo, Lifehacker, and more. She joins me today on Uncorking a Story to talk about her latest book, Finding Sunlight. Welcome to Uncorking a Story, Chrissy. Hello, Mike. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you here, Chrissy, and I'm curious, where does your story as an author begin? Yeah, so great question. I have always wanted to be a writer since I was little. Um, when I learned how to write, I was writing in journals and um, just, I mean, obviously little things like my brother annoys me, you know, like that kind of stuff. But, um, and then when I was probably in like first grade, I would do like little short stories. Um, and I just always liked storytelling in the written word. And, um, I was notorious like throughout middle school, high school to write like the start of a book, like chapter one, two, and three, and then I could never finish it. So um, yeah, that's just kind of where I started. And uh, now I've continued to write and actually finish something. 
Did you keep any of those, um, you know, early, early beginnings or, or short stories that you were writing when you were younger? Yeah, there's a, there's some of them are probably hidden in a box underneath the stairs. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, there's, there's somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I remember like growing up, like we, we would have, you know, in, in class and school, like we would have to write short stories or essays. And, and I remember like using construction paper and then like binding them with yarn and used to make them look pretty and stuff like this is the days long before anyone had like home computers. Cause, uh, I'm uh, on the older side of things, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just it's amazing. Like those early stories with, um, just, just like, I would love to go back to some of the things that I wrote. It's, it's funny. I have a twin brother. He was much more of a writer and creative thinker than I was like when we were younger. Um, because I, I fell into this trap where, you know, we had a little si sibling rivalry going and my mother, you know, always said, you know, Michael, you're better at math and Jimmy's better at English. And that's kind of like how I was raised to believe. And then I realized like later on in life, I'm like, I like this writing thing. Like, why? Why did anybody ever encourage this? Yeah. Why can't <laughs> I, can't I do both? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, why do I? And, and the funny thing is, like, today I am terrible at math. Like, if you compared like, my math abilities are not all that wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it was like the core, like two plus two that I, I can get that. But everything else beyond that. Whew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me what um, what can you share with us about Finding Sunlight? Yeah, so Finding Sunlight is a memoir and um, it's the full title is Finding Sunlight, a coming of age memoir um, about the love or sorry, <laughs> it's such a long one. A coming of age memoir about love within the wreckage of purity culture. Um, that's a, a lot, like I said, but ultimately it's about my journey to unpack my faith and sexuality and mental health to help me navigate love with pride. So that's kind of what it's about. Yeah, that and there there's there is certainly a lot to unpack there. So let's let's start by just that, that word purity culture is not something that I'm all that familiar with, although I mean it is descriptive enough where I think I have a sense of what it is, but tell me what what were your experiences in purity culture? Yeah, so purity culture for those of uh listeners that don't know, it's essentially like a lot of times it's in conservative Christian um like thinking. Um, I can't think of the word right now, but uh, yeah. And it's basically where we're really not promoting, but like there's kind of like strict rules around like no sex before marriage, um, preaching abstinence. Um, there's a lot of like traditional gender roles, um, like the, the man is the head of the household, that kind of thing. So that's really what um, purity culture is. Um, obviously, there's more layers to it. But how I kind of was involved in that, I was a young kid and uh, my I was in the church, like I was homeschooled at my church. And um, a lot of those, those stories were uh, expressed to me as a child. So it was kind of like what started to become my like core beliefs. Right. So you have these core beliefs, like, and, and I think like as kids, we are oftentimes, I know the word indoctrinated is, it's a strong word, um, but it might be appropriate here, right? You were indoctrinated into like a certain belief system. And if you feel like that doesn't feel right to you, which I am going to assume that maybe you felt like when you were growing up, like, how did you deal with that? And how did that sort of tension show up in, in your life when you were younger? 
Yeah, I always felt like I was being told kind of like what to think, what to feel, what to how to act. And um, I, I don't know. I don't it's hard to understand like or how to hard to describe like why it didn't necessarily fit. Um, it just kind of was like an innate thing that like I feel like there's something more. There's something beyond what they're teaching me here. Um, and I think too, as like, you know, born and in a woman body, like there's a lot more like strict rules that I felt like, I don't know if I believe, um, everything that's being told to me. Like, I, I just didn't quite understand like, oh, if you're telling me this, then, then why this kind of a thing? So I think it was just, to answer like your question is it was just more um the way my brain was working it just didn't make sense to me um yeah. so it kind of led me out of it and how did that impact your your family life at the time i assume your family was part of you know this church that that you were sort of being schooled in but how did that impact your your relationships at home yeah so i mean i was pretty young so i my dad was definitely like more involved in it and like very strict and like preaching it. And my mom was just kind of like, eh, you know, we're going to church. That's okay. Um, so she wasn't quite as like deep in there. Um, and I didn't, I wouldn't say I like got out, um, until much later. Um, when I was, when my parents had actually gotten divorced, um, when I was about 16, but like, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like when we're saying like, I was really involved in it when I was little that, um, I think there became this like really big tension, um, later on with my dad and me and just the family in general, because my dad was such a strong authoritative figure that, um, kind of pressed these values and really it changed our relationship, um, for me and, and my other siblings too. Yeah. So you mentioned like your parents getting divorced and that seems like it, maybe that was sort of a, a flashpoint or a spark in your life that, that got you to to think about writing this book. Um, tell me, tell me about that and sort of this notion of using writing to, to kind of work through um, this, this big bomb that went off in your house in terms of divorce. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and so kind of going into like when I wanted to write Finding Sunlight, obviously I didn't know it was going to be called Finding Sunlight to start, but I really wanted a space to process that divorce. Um, and actually everything that we just talked about, like purity culture, I didn't really actually understand that that's what I had gone through. Like it took me writing it to fully put all the pieces together. Um, but like I said, I kind of started with the idea of like, I want to help others um, that have been through like their parents' divorce to know that like you're going to be okay at the end. It might be really hard right now, but um, you'll you'll figure out your life and you'll you know hopefully find marriage if that's what you want and uh, and happiness and you you can do it. Like basically, I just wanted it to to feel like you can do this. You'll be okay. So that I means really the impetus for it is you know, for you to take your experiences and help other people, which is sort of a, a beautiful thing. Um, it's, it's uh, a generous thing because I know how long it takes to write a book. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of time, but as you're writing, do you feel something change within you? I mean, do you feel like either the intent change within you or what you're writing about start to shift? Yeah, I think so. I, 
when I, like I said, when I first started writing, it was like, okay, I want to write about the divorce, but then it became more, it became deeper. And as I got more feedback, I realized like, not only am I becoming a stronger writer, I'm also like learning more about my story and connecting the dots. And I think the intent of writing, like, yes, I wanted to help others, but then I also wanted to kind of like heal myself. So that way that, um, I could be able to help others even more because I've kind of healed from that, uh, that challenge in my life, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm curious to know a little bit more about what your writing process was like. Um, did you, did you have this outlined or were you just sort of writing as it, it came to you? I'm, I'm just curious, curious to know more about that. Yeah. So I used to call them Chrissy's clips. I don't know. It just made sense to me. But basically I would just, if I was walking or doing something active or like on a bus or something, I would, something would come to me and I would just start typing it out on my phone and um, it just became like a little scene. It almost was um, like essay-ish at first. And that's kind of how it came to be is like, okay, how did all these different Chrissy's clips come together? How did they make, how do they make a storyline? Um, so my process is, uh, I've tried to outline, but that never really worked because it was, I didn't know what the story was. So it was hard to know exactly what that outline was. Um, but gathering some of those other random like clips helped me once I had them written, then I was able to kind of like move and shift and then kind of essentially create an outline to um, build it up a little bit more, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. And I'm just, I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes, you know, as you're going through this process, you know, you're, you're someone who, um, you know, may have been at odds with a lot of the teachings you had when you were very young. Um, and, And I imagine that led to, you know, both feelings of, I would say maybe confusion and shame. Um, just knowing that, Hey, I'm, I'm a little bit different than what I'm being taught here. And I'm, I'm sort of rejecting this or certainly fully, not fully embracing it. Um, it's impacting the relationship I'm having with my father. Uh, my parents are divorced. You're going through a lot at a very young age. And I'm curious as to how, you know, maybe writing was part of a healing process for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So when it was like live happening, uh, when I was like, 16, even younger. Like I said, I did a lot of journaling and that was just kind of for me, right? Like I'm not going to show everyone this. It's getting my thoughts out, getting my feelings out, uh, my frustrations, that kind of thing. And that initial journaling it out was just nice to be able to like go back when um, I wanted to revisit to write more into the story, Finding Sunlight. Uh, It helped me to like it was hard because it's like I'm reliving it, but then also at the same time, like I can look back and have a more adult perspective on the situations and I can then write out more of my feelings, but again, from a different perspective. So I think it just was helpful, like actually writing it down and um, very specific to the story, like not the the book, but like just um, in life, as a woman, you know, I'm not allowed to have a voice or perspective. So being able to like voice it on a piece of paper was just so important to that healing. And then the more that I speak about it, uh, the, the easier it becomes to, to really feel like, oh, people know what I'm saying and understanding what I'm saying. Um, 
But anyway, that's like a healing part is to be able to write it and say it as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think writing is and, and I look to writing too as as part of a healing process. And then look, we all, regardless of, of who we are and what we've gone through in life, we all need healing somewhere, right? We we all we all come into this very imperfect world with imperfect parents, um, in an imperfect family. And, you know, I, I think I have the greatest parents in the world, but I can still point to certain times and, and events where Hey man, I, I need to process this a little bit or or at least think about like reframing it because, you know, parents aren't perfect. And, and I'm learning now as I'm, you know, approaching 50 with three kids of my own. It's like, wow, now I, I've kind of come to understand my parents a little bit more through my own parenting failures. I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I have a daughter that'll be three and <laughs> I mean, she's only three, but I'm like, oh, I already can see where I've messed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And it's funny. We had all we had we have triplets. We they, they all came to us at once. It's like I didn't even have the benefit of like, you know, learning how to screw one up and then how to do better on the other you know, subsequent two. It's like it's like all at once <laughs> Here we go. All up at, at the same time. So, yeah. um, uh, but no, I think writing gives us that opportunity to you know, you know, of course, we have to think back and, and relive through some painful moments. Mm-hmm. But I think it also gives us the opportunity to to maybe reframe them a little bit. And you know, one thing that's been helpful to me is this notion of when I think about some really difficult times in my life, and and I've had a couple of curveballs thrown at me. Um, and I don't mean having the triplets like that was not a curveball. Like I I fully embrace that and love it. But more like like job loss, right? So mm-hmm. so losing a job like unexpectedly. And I think okay, well I I could view this as something that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Or I could view this as something that happened for me. And just changing that word two to four makes a huge amount. Of, it's a small, it's a small like editing change, right? It's like yeah. you're find and replace two and four. Yep. But <laughs> it really can help you think about, okay, well, what were the lessons that came from that experience? And how has my life improved maybe because of that experience? And what mm-hmm. what did that experience, how did that open up other opportunities for me? Um, exactly. That's, and that's what I think is like the beauty of of writing, because sometimes I get those revelations when I'm certainly I'm not intending to look for revelations, but they they just happen. And oftentimes for me, it happens when I'm writing. Yeah, definitely. Same here. I think in as hard as like my parents divorce was in general, like just knowing that like I wouldn't be where I am right now today if it wasn't for that situation. Um, I might've never written a story. I might've, you know, like just reframing it, like you're saying, um, is helpful to, to know like, okay, where am I today because of everything that's happened in my life? Yeah. So, uh, curious about a few more things, but I do want to ask, um, because you, uh, you have written this book and I know like the original intent was of course to, to help other people. So advice, do you have advice for, um, think about, you know, teens or, or think about yourself when you were this age, like what kind of advice would you give your younger self now based on all, all that, you know, in terms of, um, sort of what, what life could be like? Mm. Yeah. I love this question. It's, I mean, there's so much I could say to my younger self, to a teen nowadays. Um, obviously things are way different uh, for teens nowadays, but I would say like, don't be afraid to share your voice, whether it's in a written context or um, maybe it's in a conversation with your friends or it's, um, you know, anywhere. Just 
your voice and your perspective is a powerful thing. Obviously, that's harder said than done to have that confidence. But, you know, speaking up can really make a difference in who you are and um, kind of like where your life goes. And, um, yeah, just kind of like building building that confidence. The more you speak, the, the more confident and uh, you may get. And um, just kind of lean on others to find a healthy sport system too. Yeah. Well, I, I also want to uh, ask you to reflect a little bit more on the title. So I know that the full title yeah. is Finding Sunlight, a coming-of-age memoir about love within the wreckage of purity culture. But I just love the two words, finding sunlight. And I'm, I'm just curious as to how that came to you. And, and what does that mean, finding sunlight? Yeah. So finding sunlight came because so another element of the story is like sunflowers and how that has kind of helped guide me and um, kind of given me hope uh, when I felt like I didn't have any. So when I was writing that scene, I got like feedback um, for it, which um, eventually became part of the book. But anyway, uh, so when I thought of like a sunflower, the sun flower is like facing towards the sun. Like they're always trying to find sunlight and trying to um, like grow into the sun. Um, Sunlight always was something that I was like a word that just kept coming to me when I was thinking about titles. And then, like I said, I kind of put two and two of the sunflowers finding the sunlight. Um, And then without giving too much away, there's at the end of the book, you know, I'll, I'll find my son essentially. Um, and that is that love piece. Um, and that's kind of like how it all comes together. So it ended up just making sense um, before I even writ- wrote that part about the sun. It's, it's There's a lot of like symbolism throughout it. So that's kind of why Finding Sunlight is what it's called. Yeah, no, I think it, I think it's beautiful. Um, it really is. Uh, and again, we, I know we don't want to give too, too much away about the book. I, I do want to also focus on, um, you know, another part of uh, your life, which is where you're helping uh, other people uh, through your podcast. And, and I know you're kind of talking about words, writing and wellness. Tell me about the, the backstory to the podcast and, and how that came to your life and how you're helping people with uh, words, writing and wellness. Yeah, definitely. So I was doing this was in 2020. I was like, I am going to start Instagram live and this sounds fun and interviewing people and all that. And, um, I ended up then deciding, like getting feedback from people like you should turn this into a podcast. And I was like, okay, um, let's do it. So ultimately like it kind of like led to that, but, um, I've also been very like part of my healing in addition to writing has been like meditation and, um, just kind of like breathing, like deep breathing. So that's, Part of my podcast is I'll do like a meditation or a deep breathing exercise at the beginning. And um, that just kind of like helps ground the situation or the conversation. <clears throat> and then how kind of I help others is like other writers or authors or wellness uh, practitioners. We end up having conversations and um, just like getting deep into like a specific word. So um like I'm trying to think of an example. I had done one about when I mean, we've done one across, but like mo- the most recent one was like acceptance. Um, so we like dive into what, what does acceptance mean to you? Um, that kind of thing. So <clears throat> yeah. And how kind of I help others. So that, that's part of it is the podcast, but then 
on the side, you know, I've done, I do proofreading, some of those editing um, pieces, because I think that's crucial to help tell the story even better. Like we want to make sure that your story makes sense and doesn't have errors and uh, all that. So kind of a lot of different things uh, rolling around with it, but um, yeah. I'm curious, you were talking about wellness. What does wellness mean to you? How do you define wellness, Chrissy? Yeah, another good question. So I think wellness is not just like exercise and eating. Like it's a wellness is like a wheel. There's, um, I mean, there in the wellness community, there's a lot of like different aspects, and this is like a common thing that we talk about. Um, and that's also what I got my degree in is public health. And, uh, education, but um, basically, to wellness to me is like finding ways to keep improving different aspects of your life. Whether it is that physical health, it can be mental health, it can be financial health, um, it can be environmental health, like all different, uh, all the different spokes of your life, and just kind of finding ways to grow it, improve it, um, and just to feel like you're satisfied or, um, you're in a good place with that. And what that means is different from person to person. Um, I think it's just kind of like finding what works for you. I think, you know, in our culture, we have a focus on sort of your physical health, right? Mm -hmm. We, we, you know, we, we know we're, we're constantly seeing messages of, uh, you know, how to eat right or eat better and getting exercise. Um, then, of course, on the other side, we, we see a ton of advertisements for pharmaceutical companies who are telling you, you know, take this so you know, you're better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think we, we spend a lot of time thinking about, um, I mean, I, you know, I'll separate mental health from spiritual health. But, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of talk about mental health. But what about spiritual health? Is that part of wellness as well. And I know growing up in sort of a, a strict, and I know you mentioned sort of, um, you know, very strict uh, religious upbringing, it's easy to sort of distance yourself from that. But but I also want to separate religion and spirituality. Mm -hmm. is, is spiritual health part of, of wellness in, in your mind? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is. It can be through a, like religious practice. It can be not believing in religious practice. It can be spending time in nature. Like I think there is there, that's definitely a part of wellness. Um, similar to like the whole wheel in itself, it's finding what works for you. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, to answer your question, yes, I definitely think it's part of it. I know you mentioned also, um, kind of you know, helping other writers with, with editing and, mm -hmm. um, sort of story structure, making sure the narrative makes sense. Did, did you find it an easy thing to do for your own book? You know, I assume that you work with with other authors. H how is it sort of turning those sort of superpowers of story structure and editing onto your own work? Did you find that easy or, or challenging? Yeah, I mean, I think you need to always have an outsider's perspective. Like, you can only self-edit and self-reflect like on your own work so much. Um Yes, there might be ways that uh, I've benefited in the sense of like, oh, I can figure out how to make the sentence sound better, but you still need that outside perspective. Um, so working with other authors, giving feedback, and then eventually working with an editor. Um, and I've even I even got feedback like de like a developmental developmental editor. Like 
having an outsider's perspective can help you like reframe and um, fix your story that things that you might not be able to see. Especially something as personal as a memoir, you know, because you are writing about your life and and insights into your life. And, you know, to have an outsider come in and, you know, uh, help you rearrange the story of your life, I think might be, you know, something that's that's challenging. But, you know, I think what oftentimes we have to remember, and and I've written a lot of fiction, I haven't done a memoir yet, partly because I don't think my life is all that interesting. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, I'm sure it is. <laughs> but, um, you know, just having an outsider come because they know, you know, they may not know your life better than you do. Of course, they couldn't. But they know story structure. They know what could you know sell commercially. And those are all like ideas that you have to sort of keep in mind. Um, and oftentimes I found that, you know, wh- while my knee jerk reaction might be, you don't know what the blank you're talking about. Um I, I do have to remember that, okay, well, this, this person is an expert in this and I'm not. So for um, sure. And they're going to ask questions that like pull out more of that story that you might not have thought about too. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Have you go to places where maybe you were afraid to go without being pushed a little bit. Exactly. Yep. So having uh, written this book and gone through the process yourself, what advice would you give uh, aspiring authors who are looking to, you know, perhaps write a memoir, but perhaps just put, pen to paper or fingers to keyboard um, to uh, to start to start their story. Yeah, I mean, it's just what you said, like, put your pen to paper, put your keyboard fingers to keyboard, like you just start writing and it's going to be it's going to be crap at first, like it's not going to be good stuff. And that's okay. I think it's just you got to just keep typing. One of the best advice that I got was like, you can't edit a blank page. That's true. So you have to like, get all of that out there and um, just keep going. It's going to be tough. There's going to be days that you're like, screw this. I don't want to do it. And that's okay. You can take a break, but then get back to it. Like you, it's one of those things that you just got to keep, keep pushing. I mean, I know I, I'm sure people have heard like the marathon thing. Like it really isn't a sprint. It's, it's a marathon. It's, you got to keep going and keep going and keep going. So um, my advice would be just, let that inner negative thinking go and just keep writing. I love, uh, you know, just the, the bluntness with what you say, it's going to be crap at first, because, you know, if you think about it, anything we try for the first time, we're not going to be great at, um, whether that's writing or whether that's, you mentioned running. And I always use running as a metaphor because I'm a runner. Um, but hey, that that the first time you you lace up your shoes and go outside, you're not going to be running your fastest mile. You're not going to be running as far as maybe you want to or or going to need to at at the end of a training program if you're training for you know a big race. Um, but for anything, you know, you're always going to be bad at it. I I took um, you know, I've done a lot of stand up comedy in my life, and I wanted to try something new, so I took an improv class. And the first thing the teacher said is, "You are all going to suck at this." Um, for a long time. And she was absolutely right. Like, you know, we had a lot of fun, but man, I mean, it's tough to do these two person scenes. Yeah. Props to you. That's yeah. Wow. But but, you know, you like over time with more repetition and just keep keeping at it and being okay with being vulnerable and, you know, knowing that you're in a, a safe space with people who are all trying to do the same thing. Which I think is why writers groups, I think, are very important, too, Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, you're getting like minded people together who are sharing 
you know, intimate parts of their life, not just through memoir. I do believe in fiction too. When you're writing yeah. fiction, you're sharing intimate things about your life. Um, that's why I think those groups are important because you're getting encouragement, you're getting feedback and you're kind of in the same space with people who have like a similar energy. And as a result, it's going to, it's going to improve you and you as a person and you as a writer. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a roller coaster of emotions while you're going through the writing process and anything you do. Like, like you said, if you want to be a comedian or if you want to juggle, I don't know. Like, there's always things that, like, finding that support system of people who are going through that roller coaster is just so crucial. Right. And yeah, you're going to suck at juggling the first time you try it, which is why. You know, you should start off with like tennis balls and not like chainsaws, right? Yeah, I would I mean, not, ideal. <laughs> I would not start my juggling career juggling, you know, running chainsaws. And I, I yeah. did see some people do that in Vegas once. And oh gosh, <laughs> I didn't and mortified at the same time. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, Chrissy, tell me where can people learn more about you? Do are you active on social media? Do you have a website? What can you share with us? Yeah, so I definitely have a website. It's uh, www.chrissyhome.com. So C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-H-O-L-M.com. And I'm also on Instagram and mostly Instagram uh, at Chrissy Home and then underscore. But um, I also sometimes go on TikTok and um, sometimes Twitter a little bit less, but um, you can find me there. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll put those links in our show notes. And then where can people buy the book? Yes. So you can buy it anywhere. You can go to bookshop.org. You can go ask your local um, bookstore. You can go Amazon. You can do Barnes & Nobles. Anything. Anything. Just ask. All right. There it is. Well, Chrissy, thank you so much for stopping by Uncorking a Story and letting me uncork yours. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks for listening to Uncorking a Story. If you'd like more information about today's guest or to find out more about Mike, go to uncorkingastory.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in every week to hear Mike Carlin uncork a new story.